How exciting to be able to be with you again and share the truths of the Christ life. It's it's uh, it's just a real honor to mm. partner with Rich, and and but it's also an honor that we know every time when we sit here and we get together like this that there are folks like you who who are prioritizing the right things, who are really after the Christ life. I, I've got to tell you, as for years in ministry and traveling around to a whole lot of churches, uh, I I've met a whole lot of people that I really wish, truly wish. I could somehow wrap up an increased love of the Lord, an increased passion for the right and the righteous things, and just kind of like drop it into them. Uh, but but that's not how it works. You have to come to that. You have to grow into that. You have to you have to understand that that's what the Lord is really calling everybody to. But not everybody responds in the same way or at the same speed. And so it's such a joy. When you hook up with someone like like Pastor Rich and some of the great folks at Bethel, uh, you uh, who are tuning into this every week to just to be able to know that we're sharing with people who get it, who are really after the Lord Jesus Christ and who are who are not just listening to these words as something to, you know, kind of check off of a punch list or a to do list, a requirements list in God. But it's a part of your pursuit of the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And that's, that's just plain old exciting. And so uh, there's the, there's the reason we're here. And uh, we are just, that's what the reason the Lord is here to do something with us and for us and within us and through us. And so we just want to get after this right now. We're in a study, of course, on the book of Philippians, Paul's epistle to his friends, uh, kind of a thank you letter. And it's the theme of this abundant joy that the Lord provides for us and and joy in its several kinds of expressions. Today, we want to take a look at what joyful servants actually look like, because we've talked about joy being a, a part of serving the Lord. Uh, we serve the Lord with joy and gladness. We don't, we don't grouse about it. We don't, oh, do I have to? We get to serve the Lord. We want to serve the Lord. We want to live in the love of the Lord. And so uh, it's an exciting uh, uh, encouraging thing. But sometimes you need a reminder in this. You need a visual aid. I'm a picture thinker. And so I've always appreciated people who come up with, they'll hold something up or they'll say, oh, this is like that. And, and it creates a picture in my mind. And because I think that way, those pictures help me to really get a handle on some of the concepts of the Christ life. And so in this one, in this particular set of scriptures that we're going to share with you uh, today, the, the picture is really not just a picture, it's a person. And in fact, it's not just one person, it's, it's really two people he specif specifically mentions, but there's a third, which is himself. And so let me just take you into the scripture today. Let's jump into Philippians chapter 2. We're going to start reading at verse number 19. We're going to read all the way down to 30. So just hang with me and enjoy this. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him. Now, this is Paul writing about Timothy. I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own uh, interests and not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. 
I, I just, I, I love that picture. He has served with me as a son would serve with his father. I hope, therefore, to be able to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. Remember, he's writing this from jail. I have thought it necessary, though, to send Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister uh, to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Now, just to, to capture this, Epaphroditus, of course, is the, the person that the Philippians had sent to Paul to bring this gift of encouragement, this financial gift, perhaps food, perhaps clothing, who knows what all, but certainly their heart and their well wishes. And they sent it through one of their leaders, this man, Epaphroditus. And while he was there, apparently with Paul, he had fallen ill and gotten very sick. And in fact, the word had gotten back to the people in Philippi that he was sick. And so we'll talk about that as we go, but that's so, so you get an idea of who he is. Indeed, it says he was ill, he was near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. And so I'm the more eager to send him, therefore, so that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. Paul anxious. I just love that picture. You know, here's a guy who admits to it, you know, uh, levels of anxiety over these things. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. And again, that's not a put down. What you couldn't do for me because you couldn't all come, he did coming on your behalf. And so uh, I'm going to send him back to you so that you know what joyful servants really look like. And the principle that we want to share with you today, because we've had one joy principle in each one of these, is that serving is in fact a joyous experience. It's funny that people oftentimes don't think of it that way. In our world, it's, it's easy for people just to get to a place where they are, you know, doing their thing. And yet, when you discover the Christ life and you move into the Christ life and the Christ life becomes just a normal part of life for you, you find this incredible joy uh, in, in this place of serving. And it comes through, as you mentioned, these two guys, really. I mean, Paul's mentioned in there, but when you think about, uh, when you think about Timothy and Epaphroditus, you, these are two pictures for us to look at to really uh, begin to understand an attitude which I think is, is critical in, in serving, is having the right attitude, but an activity. And then there's some accolades that kind of go with that. And uh, the attitude, here you got these two guys. And it's understand that in these, with these two guys, there's nowhere recorded in the scripture where these guys are out doing these incredible miracles. These guys aren't out there doing things that are causing these huge crowds that may have been happening, but it's not recorded anywhere in scripture. And yet, as Paul is writing about them, these two people, they're priceless. Uh, they're priceless because first and foremost, what makes them priceless is they're centered in Christ. They are the expression of what we say over and over again, ultimately is the Christ life. And that's the starting place. So it, Paul says this about Timothy. He says, I have no one like him. Let that sink in. I have no one like him. I mean, that's like, wow. John Ortberg wrote a book that, that just the title says it all because we, everybody can relate to uh, this title. And it's simply everyone's normal until you get to know them. And so and why, why do I bring that up? Because when we read about Timothy, you probably because you don't know him, 
just like we really don't know him, we just know about him from scripture, think, well, he's just this normal, average, everyday dude. But when you get close to someone, you can get to know them, all of a sudden you begin to see their flaws. You begin to see their shortcomings. You begin to see the, the, the challenges that go on within that person. But what really makes a difference that gets by all of that stuff is attitude. Winston Churchill said that attitude is a little thing that makes a big difference. And when, when, you're, when you're operating in the right kind of attitude, it allows, as, as Paul said, he's like a son and a father. Why? Because he's, if Paul being the father, he's able to speak into his life. He's able to help him mature and he's able to grow. Well, if you've ever been around somebody who has the wrong attitude there, it's very difficult to actually help somebody grow into the Christ life who has a wrong attitude. But his attitude was such where ultimately he served the Lord by serving Paul. And that's a, that's, just, that's a huge attitude understanding, because what, what comes from that is that Paul is able to say, um, I can send him and I know what I'm going to get when I'm going to send him. He's going to be like me because he's taken the things of Christ in me and he's put them in himself. And so he's able to move in that attitude. And then Epaphroditus here, Paul calls him brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier. And so what you find about really both of these, both of these guys is that they, they have this attitude that it's not about me, it's about him. Uh, and when it's about him, well, then it's not about me, it's about you. And that's a big, big attitude shift where every, every day, everywhere, with everyone they're operating with, it's not about themselves. In fact, the, you, you find even in Paul's wording there that first and foremost, uh, Epaphroditus, he has this attitude. He has this attitude that might even say in modern terms, if you remember the, the cartoon Chip and Dale, uh, those two were constantly looking out for the other one. No, you go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. That's that attitude of not me, but you. And what allows a person to have that and cultivate that attitude is a really understanding who Jesus is in their life and who they are in Christ Jesus. Now you can have that attitude for others. Well, for, for Paul, when he calls him brother, that's born out of a relational thing. His, there was an attitude about relationships that was important and was significant in uh, Epaphroditus's life that caused this relationship between him and Paul, who he's not spent the majority of time with, to be called brother, to be called something close. But not only that, you find that, that Epaphroditus also has this attitude about the body of Christ, because there is this furtherance of the gospel as they are working, because there's, there's always work to be done in the body of Christ. There's ministries that have to happen. For him, it was, it was leaving all of his close relationships to bring this gift to where Paul is at. And so there, there's this attitude that says, I'm going to make sure that I'm furthering the gospel within the body of Christ. But then he says, also soldier. He says he's also a fellow soldier. That's an attitude that says, I have a circle of influence and I am going to maximize this circle of influence for the kingdom of God. And so Paul recognized that it was, you know, you don't, you, I know you may have been in situations where you feel like you got to be a soldier in the body of Christ, never intend to be a soldier in the body of Christ. Being a soldier is about the extending the kingdom of Christ. It's, it's seeing people who are lost come to know Jesus Christ and grow into the, the Christ life. Now, if you, by the way, I'll just throw this out here because we do this in a couple of weeks. If you feel like you're a soldier in the body of Christ, well, you're just dealing with conflict and we'll talk about the joy of conflict resolution a little bit, a little bit later. But if you, if you wonder where your attitude is at in the servanthood, 
And, 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 and if you're really finding the joy of serving, well, how do you respond when nobody says thank you? How do you respond when, when they act like you're not even there? Because a servant is someone who's just in the background, who's not doing it because they're expecting anything in return. And if you're, if you're blah, 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 and you're complaining, then, then certainly uh, you don't have that servant attitude. And the Lord is giving you plenty of opportunity to allow that to be developed in you. Uh, and so uh, they, uh, the, there's this church in Sa uh, Santa Fe that used to only have one door, and, and it was the door into the sanctuary. And over that door, it just said the servant's entrance. Every person who's come to Jesus Christ and is their life is in him and his life is in them is a servant. And so every door you walk through ultimately is a servant opportunity. And your attitude ultimately will result in an activity. There's going to be this, this, uh, this expression of, of um, this servanthood that's not going to result in a person saying, I, well, I got to pray about it. <laughs> you know, there are just some things that there may be something you do have to pray about, but most of the time that's just the modern day excuse to not have to serve. But when, when, you, when you see this, uh, when you have this right attitude and you see the opportunity, you're going to move into that uh, that. Um, that activity. Why? Because you recognize it's not about me; it's about you. And and so, as I mentioned earlier, this is this is where Timothy was so different than everybody else. Because Timothy served Paul; his activity was about making sure that Paul had his needs met, knowing that uh, that Paul had been restricted uh, through prison, been restricted in that place, and so he was there for him. And then. Of course, we know that Epaphroditus, he, he served the Lord by serving the people of Philippi and serving Paul by bringing the gift and doing those kinds of things. And, and so in this, in this activity, I think there's a, uh, an, an idea of really a well-rounded servant, and I think it's a good place for the Holy Spirit to challenge us and to help us to grow. And the first and always place activity of a servant is serving the Lord. It's serving the Lord in worship, and it's serving the Lord in relationship. It's, it's, it's putting everything else aside and saying, I'm here for you. A servant does not know what to do without instructions. They get the instructions from the master, and then they go do what the master asks them of. And the other part of that is this, this ministry, the servanthood of, to the body of Christ. It's the, it's the ministry. It's, it's saying, you know, I'll, I'll step up and do this, whatever this might be. It could be anything from singing on a worship team to greeting to, to cleaning the church to whatever it might be. I want to make sure that I'm serving. In, in, our, in life groups, serving one another uh, and saying, hey, you have this need at your house. Let's come together and take care of that. You have a, a financial need. Let's come together. And let's take care of that. It's that serving and really being co-workers uh, together in the body of Christ. But then the, the, the uh, other part of servanthood is serving the world. It's, it's saying where everyone is off to themselves, where everybody's trying I'm going to serve the world in a way to where uh, in some cases where you are you're serving the poor or you're, uh, you're helping out in particular areas. You're just tilling the ground and making the ground uh, ready for the gospel, the seed of the gospel to come. And in other cases, you're in a place where you are able to share the gospel. So if you're, if you're really working that circle of influence that doesn't know Jesus, you're praying for them regularly. You're coming before the Almighty God and saying, hey, I'm your servant. What do you want me to do with them today? And that really is this, this, this servant that, as Paul talked about, is also kind of a, of a soldier. But the critical piece to the activity of uh, a servant uh, is really where you live. 
And I, and I want to challenge you this in this area. People are going to find themselves living in one of two places. They're either going to find themselves living in Philippians 121 or 221. In 121, Paul says this, for to me, to live is Christ. That's the Christ life. And then in 221, he says, for they all seek their own interests. A a servant that is really finding the joy in serving, the place they live is in Christ. So everything they do is done out of that reality. And let me tell you something, it is in Christ that really all the joy is found anyway. Absolutely. That, that's that's so well said, and it is such a huge and powerful truth. Uh, Paul introduces himself all the time. He regularly, in, in pretty much every epistle, this one included, identifies himself as a bondservant. Hmm. Uh, Paul, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. So did Peter. So did James. So did all the rest of uh, the, quote, leaders, the people who could have said, you know, I'm the big cheese. I'm the guy in charge. I'm the guy, you know, who helped to plant the church where you're at and all of these other things. They don't, they don't identify with that. They identify themselves as servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because I'm a servant of the Lord, I'm also your servant. Uh, yeah, and it's it's not a hard thing for me. It's a joyous thing for me. That's that's a that's just there's the there's the picture because he's saying it, it this is lived out in people's lives. This isn't just a principle to kind of say, oh, I understand that. Because if you really understand that, it will alter your relationships and your behaviors. And and your joy level in serving will just rise dramatically because you don't do it because you have to. You do it because that's what servants do. And that's our joy to do that. I uh, I, can, I have to confess, I don't eat that much at Chick-fil-A or, or most fast food restaurants. But I do love one thing that the, the, uh, the founders, you know, these Christian folks who founded Chick-fil-A and... Uh, and who kind of train uh, up the the people that work there, they've trained this 17-year-old or 16-year-old or 18-year-old, whatever person it is that's serving you, they've trained them when they give you something, when they take your order, when they do anything for you, when you ask any little thing of them, their response is always, check this out, go, go, just go for a lot of reasons, because the chicken, I'm sure, is probably good, but but go and see, and the, here's what they're going to say. It would be my pleasure. It'll be my pleasure to serve you. I love that because they, that's really the truth when you're in Christ, when you're pursuing the Christ life, when you understand that your role, uh, your attitude is that of a servant. You are entering servant activities, not for, for some, you know, ooh, some accolade. Now, we're going to talk about accolades, but you're not entering serving for accolades. In fact, when you serve, you serve because that's what servants do. When nobody thanks you, it doesn't matter. You know, who, who thanks the servants? You know, it, what, nobody tipped me. Oh, you're, you're not really serving. You're working for pay when you do that. But servants serve for the relationship, for the goal of serving, and for the joy that this serving produces inside of our lives. And serving is a joyous experience. Serving is a joyous experience. It would be my pleasure to serve you. 
And so this is this is the reality that Paul is getting at here. And he says, you know, uh, everybody should exemplify this. But I got to tell you, the guys that I'm sending back to you, Epaphroditus, he he just is that. And you know him. And the guy I'm going to send to you, Timothy, he is that. And you'll get to know him. And if I have a chance to come, then we'll all be good with that as well, because we understand this identity that God has given us as servants. The activity, the attitude is, is all a part of who we are. But there is an accolade. There is a reward. An accolade is probably not a word that you use regularly. I know it's not in my vocabulary all the time, but uh, the, 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 the thank yous, the, the hurrahs, the rewards, the, uh, the notor notoriety that may come with some sort of an activity and an attitude. There is one who is watching. There is a reward that is going to be given. There is one who talks about on that great final day that he's going to say, uh, you know, either well done or not well done, but he's going to say it, well done, my good and faithful, I believe the word is servant, servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. Well, I've already been in the joy of the Lord because I've been serving, but I want to be able to enter into the joy of the Lord. And that's, that's really the biggest accolade. Uh, in case you don't know what accolade uh, comes from, it, it's a, it actually springs out of a French root word, but the picture is one in the days of nobility. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the, whole system of nobility where people were were either born into it or blessed into it, uh, brought into it via dubbing and knighting and all of the other kind of things that would happen. But uh, in that pass in that in that sort of rite of passage, there was an embrace that was a part of the picture, which was called the accolade. It was the accolade, it was the embrace. And it, it actually expanded in its use to really mean the whole process. And so imagine, you know, here we are bowed before the Lord and, you know, who who touches us and and then, you know, asks us to rise and for this hug, this embrace. And when they do that in in the nobility process, they'll say, arise, sir, something or other, you know, uh, whatever the title that you may have. But and it's S.I.R., of course. But when the Lord says it, he's going to be saying, arise, sir, S.E.R., servant of the Lord. And I, I just really think that is the greatest, the greatest joy, the, the culmination of the joy will be to see and hear the Lord himself saying, you did that because of your love relationship with me. And whatever you did for anybody, everybody, you did it for me. And because you did it for me, I'm, I'm rewarding you. I am saying, well done. Thank you. And, and that, that is the ultimate joy of the servant. And it's our prayer. In fact, let's pray that each of us have a cultivation in our hearts uh, for greater amounts of joy because of the servant opportunities that the Lord's giving us. So, Father, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for calling us into your home to serve. And I pray, Lord, that you will increase our joy by allowing us to recognize all the servant opportunities around us. Lord, to you to others and to the world. And so, Lord, we just give you thanks for that and look forward to and want to have maximized our opportunity before we stand before you to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. 
Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.